Welcome to Motherbirth. I'm your host, Melissa Reeves, and I'm a holistic coach, doula, and healer. Join me and inspiring guests as we share the stories, wisdom, and transformation of motherhood and invite you to step courageously down the path of your own birth as a mother. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Mother Birth Today. This is the first episode that we have done in a little while, and I am thrilled to be sharing with you one of my inspirations and teachers in this life. And I have today on the show with us Usha Anandi, who is the founder of Woman Wellness. And this is actually... um, you know, I would say part of my origin story in terms of the work that I do today, um, pretty much exactly a year ago, I spent three weeks in the jungles of Costa Rica with Usha, learning all about womb wisdom and connecting with sisterhood. And I'm so excited to bring her and her wisdom to you today as we just dive into really what and how it looks like to actually connect with ourselves and our bodies in a really deep and meaningful way and how that's even more essential today with what's happening in the world than it ever has been. So, Usha, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and, and we'll just dive in from there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here with you. Familiar voice and face, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my own journey into my body started from a place of numbness and disconnection. And growing up in a religious Catholic home, you could say that resources that allowed me to feel educated and even empowered in my body were not available to me. And Um, I kind of entered puberty feeling really excited and confused as to what it meant to be a woman. And after being on the pill for five years, receiving a lot of weird symptoms from hormonal contraceptives, finally deciding to get off the pill and moving to Costa Rica was a really pivotal part of my journey where I left my Western education as a holistic nutritionist And that world kind of behind in search for deeper meaning and connection to myself, the earth, and those around me. I just kept feeling like something here isn't right. And so I went into the jungle to find out what that was. And I think my own journey has always been fueled by a sense of knowing what it's like to feel like you're imprisoned inside of your body, knowing what it's like to feel like a stranger in your own skin and moving through a lot of numbness and disconnection that I received after an experience of rape kind of just reiterated the importance of what I had been teaching and has just further cemented um, the essential aspect of this work, not only for our survival, but for our thrival. Mm. So how did you move from that personal journey of of exploration and healing into doing this work with women? You mentioned that you had been a holistic nutritionist and that you kind of shifted away from that work as as this healing unfolded. So what was that transition like? Mm, Great question. 
You know, I think I really noticed in myself when I was in school, I was obsessed with food and I would um, make sure I had all the right nutrients in every meal. And I was super obsessed with all the different superfoods and herbalism. And, and I still felt through this obsession and way of controlling my diet that actually my body was degrading in front of my eyes and I was seeing my health descend very quickly. And so I started to realize um, it's much more than just food that is what's going to heal me here. And it's much more than just food that can heal all of us. And I noticed for me, um, feeling safe in a community was one of the greatest aspects to my own personal evolution. And I started when I was in Costa Rica teaching women's health and yoga teacher trainings. And I noticed what would take place when I would share um, food wisdom or herbalism wisdom in circle. And the reaction that one woman would have and then the share would set off chain reactions and all mm -hmm. others. And it really started to light this fire inside of me. You know, previously I had thought all of these questions I had, these burning questions inside of me that I was the only one thinking like this. And when I started to teach in large groups of women, I realized there's a lot in our culture that goes unsaid. And there's a lot of questions that are living deep inside of us that we're too afraid to ask. And then mm -hmm. when we come into circle, we can be real about it. If the, if the space is set up in a way where we feel safe enough to open, profound healing can happen. Hmm. Well, I feel like I have to ask you because I feel like you're the, um, <laughs> you're kind of the, the authority on the subject. Um, can you maybe expound a little bit on why circle, like why sisterhood? What's the history of this? Like why, why does that have such an impact on our ability to heal? Mm. Circle is one of the most ancient shapes we see. So some people will tell you the earth is flat. I'm not a believer in that. I believe <laughs> the earth is round. And if we look in nature, if you look closely at plants, if you look, look closely at root systems, if you look closely at leaves, at flowers, you'll see the circle represented really in everything. And this circle represents both the beginning and end of life in an unbreakable chain. And women for thousands of years have been gathering in circle to honor the cycle of life and death that is not only played out through our lifetimes, as we see many babies will enter the world and many people will also leave, but it also represents the cycle of life and death that we experience in our wombs every month when we bleed. And for so many years, the power of women gathering in circle has been systematically removed from our day-to-day -day culture. Mm. And this is really one of, I believe, and what I see in my work and in what I've experienced in myself, one of the greatest traumas that a lot of women are working with today is this fear of woman-centered space and how we have been taught instead of connecting with each other and seeing each other as allies, how we've been systematically taught to compete with one another, to shame one another, and to mistrust one another. 
And so really what we see in terms of wise women lineages, women gathering was an epicenter of power for communities. And when we started to lose these essential spaces of safety and honesty and vulnerability, then we started to see women compete with each other. And actually, we're, some of us are so busy tearing each other apart that we are not able to unify to break down the system that oppresses us in the first place. So coming back to circle is a remembering. Mm -hmm. And I always experience that in my body that, you know, after the initial awkwardness kind of melts away. And I always joke, like everyone's so nervous at the beginning. And that's natural, of course, but that's also ingrained into us to mistrust being in a room full of women. And yet, once we break through what is programmed, there's this deep, full exhalation that comes. It's like, mm. ah, my body knows this. And it's really just a returning, a remembering of something so ancient and so sacred, a source of power. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and whenever I'm facilitating an experience like that, every single time in that initial awkwardness, I feel this, I would say fear that we're not going to break through, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is too much, whether it's like this particular group or it's me or it's like whatever, whatever it is, there's this fear that like we're not going to be able to get there. And it's never been true. Mm. It's never once been true, right? We always, we always break through that. And there is that remembering it's so powerful. And, and, so many of the experiences that I had with you in Costa Rica with that circle of sisters, it was so profound to, you know, experience not just that initial breakthrough, um, but then in a continued circle, in, in continuing holding of each other, all of these new layers of intimacy and, and repeated awkwardness, right? Like there's always this new, it's like any, you could imagine any relationship where you're going to a new level of intimacy and there is, there's pain and discomfort in that, right? It's not like you just break through one time with a partner, for example, and now it's, you know, easy, easy going from, from here on out. And so I love that reminder that, 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 that awkwardness and, and I, and I believe like you that it's very conditioned, but it's also, it's, I feel like it's related to just the, um, just the layers of intimacy, right? There's always like discomfort going deeper. And so I loved experiencing that with you. I love experiencing that with women. And, and I'd love to, um, you know, to talk about, this is, I think something that's, you know, we're recording this on the 23rd of April, 2020. And we're about, you know, four to six weeks in to, you know, most people um, having pretty heavy experiences of self-quarantine, social distancing, all of these different layers that are that are happening in our societies. I mean, it's it's it looks different around the world, but there are some pretty standardized approaches and and responses to what's happening. Um, and I feel you know most people wherever they are are experiencing the you know the isolation to some extent or another. And I don't want to get political because that's not my intention, but I don't mind being controversial. <laughs> Sometimes the two can be a little um, hard to separate. Um, 
But I'd love to hear from you because one of the things that I'm really experiencing in my work with women, both one-on-one right now, and then in my own experience of community and relationship is this very troubling um, trajectory of, of disconnection. And I love seeing your face on this Zoom call right now that we're recording and going to share with, you know, many, many women. Um, but I would much rather sit in a room with you and like, you know, gaze into your eyes and, you know, have our knees brush against each other and, you know, hug each other when we, you know, when we see each other and when we leave and, you know, share a meal and um, not worry about like that your hands have touched my teacup and, you know, all of these different things that are so essential to our actually our nervous systems, which we can get into as well. So let's just, let's just go there. Like, what do you, you know, with, again, without getting political, like, what do you think the effects of what we're experiencing right now are on what we have been talking about, this deep need for connection and sisterhood, for gathering in circle, for experiencing healing in the presence of other women? It's hmm. a beautiful question. And there's so many layers to this, you know, I think, um, especially just so from my personal perspective as, you know, the founder of Women Wellness, co-director, I we've had to cancel a lot of our in-person stuff that has been coming up in mm-hmm. the upcoming months and training in Costa Rica and um, more things. And my heart and soul are like, no, you know, dying mm-hmm. inside because I know that um, you can never replace an in-person event with an online experience. And that doesn't mean I don't fully believe in the power of technology to bring us mm-hmm. together, but there is a fundamental difference in talking to someone online and talking to someone face-to-face. And I think what we're experiencing now just as a whole collective is this movement towards online offerings versus in-person events. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting for me because I spent years facilitating in person before I ever did anything online. And I remember the first course I led online womb sciences course that we still offer. Um, we would offer a live ceremonial call. And I remember after I led ceremony, I would turn off my computer and I was so disoriented (laughs) because I just spent two hours sharing from the depths of my heart, witnessing other women and doing the same. And afterwards my computer turned off and I was alone. Mm -hmm. There was no hugging. There was no, thank you so much. There was no, I see you. There was no completion for my nervous system to Mm. communicate with my body, okay, that experience is over. So I found myself for the rest of the day struggling to ground, struggling to create a completion where I could move on from that experience. Mm. And so I've had to get really masterful in the way that I navigate online spaces because I do think that they're so important. But one of the things I've learned from that is many of us are grasping for connection in our modern world. We are more isolated in our colonial world than we have ever been before. Isolated from each other, isolated from the earth. And I find it interesting that we, um, you know, we come into circle in ceremony. We, we sign up for a women's event and 
it's fascinating because we never had to do this before. This was just the way it right. was. Yeah, you We'd didn't come to, like, into circle now. Yeah. yeah, you didn't have to book a flight to, you know, a tropical destination. It was just built into your community experience. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that really came through when you were talking, you know, yeah, we used to sit in circle for thousands of years, but it wasn't something we had to organize. This was just a part of our daily life. Mm. And we can see right now, one of the things that I really think is so vital is that we see every woman who is close to us, who is in our personal inner circle as a part of the circle that we're creating for ourselves. And that's something that I really try to portray in my trainings is that, you know, this is not special. This is normal. Mm. And the fact that we think this is special and it's, oh my God, wow, amazing. I feel so good afterwards shows just how far we are from our center. Mm -hmm. It is not special to meet with a group of people and feel seen and heard and held. That is normal. That is your birthright. That is the way our ancestors always lived. So I think what we're experiencing right now is a real pivotal point where we're experiencing, many of us, even more heightened disconnection. Yeah. And what I've noticed in my own self is that I'm really um, have become so aware how vital community is for me. I've become so aware that the relationships that I am tending to are really a lifeline for my own existence. And I am not in any way separate. And I think that's what this time is giving us an opportunity to see, although it is very painful, although many of us are experiencing sudden change and grief and loss, there is a way that we can hold what we're experiencing both personally and collectively and also experience a teaching through it. So I think this is giving us an opportunity to look at how do we want to create our lives? Because this sense of isolation, this sense of panic, um, this sense of feeling lost when all of our day-to-day -day activities suddenly vanish, you know, who are we? This is giving us a moment to really question, how can I show up in the world? Who am I and, and what am I here to offer? Yeah. And that, like you and I were discussing before, you know, before we started recording is, is inherently a privileged question to be able to ask, which is, which is complex Absolutely. in these times. And my partner and I have been exploring that a lot. I mean, we're, you know, we spent um, the last year or so in San Diego in an intentional community there, and it was an incredible experience. And um, as as this all started to unfold, it became very intuitively clear that it was time for us to move on, which is not what most people do in a pandemic. They don't um, hit the road. They, yeah. you know, hunker down. We have done the opposite. Um, but we are, we know that even the ability to ask those kinds of questions and think deeply about the kind of life we want to live in and where we want to live and how we want to be in connection with others and with the earth is, is inherently privileged and 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 coming back to what you said not only do we think gathering in community is special like oh my gosh i had this amazing experience in the jungles of costa rica 
it's privileged to be able to do so, right? To be able Absolutely. to access to the resources to, to choose that kind of an experience. Um, and that is such a fundamental disconnect for me because I recognize that in the work I've been called to do, which is, you know, similar to the work that you do, how do I make that accessible to women? How do I live that in my everyday life? So it's not just like this fancy elaborate, you know, weekend retreat that like my rich white friends can come to, you know? So I, you know, it's, I don't know if there's answers to this question. (laughs) How are you, how are you in like, where are you in that dialogue? Absolutely. I think it's such an important conversation to continually have because, um, and it can't just be between two white women, you know, we have to have this conversation to make it more accessible. And we're not the only ones who should um, be conversing about it. One of the things that I've really have been feeling disconnected with, with spirituality lately especially on social media, which I try not to be on very much, um, is just the inaccessibility of all of it. And it's Mm -hmm. so clear to me um, how colonialism has really taken hold, you know, um, to be practicing medicine that comes from indigenous lineages and hundred dollar gowns and be um, sharing it in a way that is elitist or, um, really specified to a, spe- to a group of people who can afford it is the definition of colonialism and mm. robbing practices from people who cultures and ancestors have developed with these teachings. So I think right now, more than ever, it's really important to honor where everything comes from And to also recognize that we stand ourselves with our own connection to our ancestors and where we come from on deep and profound lineages. And most of us do not know what those lineages are. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most important things that we can do right now and something that I'm using as a lifeline is connecting to my own ancestry, connecting to the land from which I came from, because Being from Irish heritage, you know, my ancestors went through a lot of prejudice. They went through a lot of famine. Um, And in my own personal matrilineal line, you know, there was a lot of struggle and a lot of challenge. And right now to remember that our ancestors were resilient and because Mm -hmm. they were resilient, they survived, that can help us to move through this challenging time, which for sure is imprinted in our own bodies, depending Mm -hmm. on how it is we're moving through it. And so I think right now, what we're seeing is a huge divide in the way that people are able to experience this pandemic and move through it. You Mm -hmm. know, are we just boxed up in our homes doing a self-help online course or are our relatives getting seriously sick because they have to be at work and don't have the privilege of staying home because they have to feed their kids and how is that affecting different groups of people because it's definitely not affecting people equally and we're seeing that especially in the United States so I think right now it's giving all people who have privilege 
the opportunity to wake up because this is really bringing out the underbelly of our world. This is not new. This no. is not just happening with the pandemic. This has been systematically put in place in the United States for hundreds of years. Yeah, it's just being illuminated. Exactly. Yeah. And so we cannot turn a blind eye to it. And although it is quite uncomfortable, our discomfort is not worth more than people's safety or people's lives. Mm. And that is something that we have to digest and swallow. And we do it all in our own way. How we process that is very personal, but it's so important to sit with discomfort, to sit with all the uncomfortable truths and really ask yourself how you may be a part of this and how it is you're willing to change. If you have the privilege to think about the bigger picture of things, then you also have the privilege to ask, how can I dismantle this system that has created this in the first place? Yeah. And that's, that's part of ceremony, right? Is sitting in that discomfort. I mean, I feel like you know, when we, when we think of the Instagram version of ceremony, it's like, you know, just like the love tunnel, you know, it's just like this very euphoric um, experience of, of connection and intimacy and, and transformation. And while the reality is, is transformation is painful, you know, like you, something dies, something fucking dies. And, and I feel absolutely what you just shared is, is so true if we have the privilege to be thinking about where we want to be and how we want to live and how we want to show up, well, we better be applying that to how we're going to change this world. Right. And, and it, it is the time for that. I feel like also what is very clear in my system is that there's so much possibility and innovation in this time. Right. And you see that technologically for sure on the surface, that's like the quickest way you see it, how, how creative and and innovative people are becoming in terms of how they're running their businesses or how they're adapting, how they're connecting, how they're, you know, even even just like, you know, I'm like doing a baking class with my my son and I are like leading a baking class on Thursdays. We've never done that before, you know? It's and not that that's revolutionary, but it's like it's creative. It's something that comes from from struggle, from from limitation, you know, my husband always, who's a very creative person, always talks about how, um, I'm trying to remember the exact phrase, but like, you know, limitation is is what, it's what breeds like creativity. You, when you're comfortable, you're stagnant, right? You aren't going to like, you aren't going to, to think outside the box because you don't have to. Everything is fine the way it is, you know? And and I think that this eliminates, to be totally frank, I'm, I'm right now staying at my in-law's house and they're, you know, definitely in a category of privilege that would probably astound some people. And even they are looking around and saying like, like having having compassion for people that would be perhaps stealing in a time like this. And, and that's so revolutionary for them to even have that awareness. You know, their perspective would normally be like, pull up, you know, fucking pull, your, pull up your bootstraps and like, you know, f- figure it out. And, and they're realizing like how inequitable our systems are and how much more exposed certain people are to, to suffering and to injustice and to, um, you know, to things being taken away from them that they have no control over. So I think that there's just a profound 
ex, like exposure of of these systems that that really don't serve us. And I wonder too, you know, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. I wonder like, you know, whatever the timeline of us moving through this specific challenge, this specific crisis is, and as much as we're talking about the ways that we are actually wired for, for connection, for, um, you know, for, for sisterhood, for ceremony, for, for living in these, these natural um, and, and really ancient ways, as, as disconnected as we've become from that in our modern society, and as, as much as this is potentially exacerbating that disconnection, right, causing us to become even more reliant on technology, even more fearful of personal interaction, I, I get curious about as we move through this and, and, you know, governmental restrictions are lifted, how fearful will people remain? Right. You know, like how, how hard will it be to convince someone to come to a circle of women, you know, or um, I think of women postpartum, I, you know, I have a, a, um, a client, a prenatal client that I worked with today where, you know, part of what we're discussing about her postpartum plan is like, how are you going to allow people into your home and, and what's your relationship with that going to be? Not just the planning part of it, but your own personal work of like what, you know, how to communicate, how to navigate, how to be present with the fears that come up, all of those things. Like this is, this is uncharted territory. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, our daily practice and ritual and commitment to being embodied is so important and what i'm seeing right now in in my own life is um and with all of my students and clients is that if we're really sitting with this discomfort and it is it's so uncertain right now no one knows what's going to happen and that uncertainty for the human mind is incredibly uncomfortable Mm. we have no idea and we always have no idea and yet we think we do and that allows us to feel confident in what's happening so i think that this is really if we allow this discomfort to kind of ferment within us and season us it reveals a deeper layer of being human so what i desire to happen and of course I do not know but I'm going to speak in a positive way because I I'm trying to ingrain this into my own cells you know whenever there was a great period of struggle world war one world war two in the United States afterwards there's a cultural renaissance Mm -hmm. people all of a sudden feel oh my gosh you know in times of struggle it is art that got me through it is love that got me through it is poetry it is music it is expressing that got me through that hard time and what i'm feeling right now you know being here in lockdown in pasadena um more and more people are saying hi to each other in the street Mm. and they never did that before more and more people are waving at each other in the grocery store because it's clear, I believe, to many of us that we need each other. So my hope and desire is that what we discover in these times, whether it is pain, whether it is grief that we have to process, whatever it is arising for us, which is a very personal experiment, experience, we allow that 
to really seep into us so that we can move forward in a different way. And that's why I talk about this as a turning point, because wherever we are, this is giving us an opportunity to look at the reality of things. And of course, we're never seeing everything fully with our government systems and blah, blah, blah. But we are seeing a lot of things very clearly. Mm-hmm. And it's giving us an opportunity to decide how is it that we want to move forward. So I am hoping that this actually creates even more of a desire for gathering, even more of a desire for connection with each other and with the earth. Hmm. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hope and desire that with you because (laughs) I deeply do. And I I think I just, you know, there's certain moments or interactions or things you read where you're just like, Oh, absolutely. This is terrible. (laughs) This is so terrible. And I picture myself being like, you know, some maverick, you know, like homesteader, just like ushering people into like the secret dungeon of gatherings being like oh you want to come yes come (laughs) which I'm willing to do but I hope it's not like that I hope I hope that I hope and desire with you that we are we are awakened in our in our need and our awareness of our need for for connection and for gathering um, because that is is definitely one of the the best outcomes of this right because when we look at so many of the inequities in our world there I, I love what you shared in the beginning it's like this was just a way of life it wasn't special it wasn't normal right and and our our ability to resource each other comes from seeing each other well if we're not seeing if we're not being with the people who may have needs that that we don't have how will we ever ever be able to resource each other you know so i love i love that and that invitation to to return to that as a way of life not just this like elite activity that you know that is available to to those of us that are privileged um absolutely and if you think about it i mean it's really just it's it, it, it's enough to blow your mind. If you think about the fact that this is the way that everyone used to live, just in terms of indigenously, and we are indigenous to some land. We are all indigenous yeah, to all some part of the earth. Many of us just don't know where. And if this was the way that we always used to live, then this was systematically taken from us. And some people still live like this. And I've had the privilege to be with those people. My teacher specifically in the mountains of Oaxaca, living in that way with her changed my life because it showed me, you know, this isn't something that I can get from a training. This isn't something that I need to even pay for. This is just the way it is for her Mm. and her family and how crazy it is that that has been systematically removed as colonialism has moved through the world and now it's something that is packaged and sold back to us Mm. you know and that's why um whenever we offer something like you and i both do and many of the women that we know and love do whenever we offer something like ceremony or we work with birth It has to be in a way that is non-exclusive. It has to be in a way that is, this is yours. Take it. This Mm -hmm. is yours. This is not 
something that I own or anyone owns. This is yours. This is your way of life. Remember it. Come back to it. And that's what I believe this time, hopefully in my deepest soul, I yearn for this. That is what this time could offer us is a clarity as to perhaps the way we have been living in our day-to-day life is already incredibly surface level. Perhaps before quarantine happened, we also weren't satisfied. Mm -hmm. And maybe now we can really start to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there are so many ways in which, and again, there's, there are disparities in how this is experienced, but I know many people from many different socioeconomic experiences that are really deeply um, coming home to like, to their bodies and to a simpler way of being in a simpler way of life. And whether they're raising young children or, you know, just finding new, new ways of being in, in their lives, in their, in their creativity, in all of these different aspects of who we are. Um, it's like the shedding of so many of the things that just, we realize, why is that even part of my life? Why does that, why have I, like, why have I allocated so much of my resources to this thing that doesn't even return anything to me, hmm. right? It's this siphoning of, of who we are and of what we have to offer. And I, I, I love that as, as an invitation in this time as well. Um, I'd love to, you know, you are, you are such a, a masterful, um, you know, curator of, of different, um, you know, healing modalities and, and experiences and, and also, you know, so knowledgeable about our nervous systems and, and how, you know, on these deeper levels, healing works and how trauma works. And I'd love to, if there's something, you know, that you can share with the women who are listening in terms of even a practice that you have found to be really beneficial during this time in terms of really finding, um, you know, on, on maybe a, on one level, we could say peace or calm, but on a deeper level, you know, really kind of working with, with our nervous systems and, and finding regulation. Is there anything that you have found to be specifically thinking about like our connection and our need for connection and how, and, and the, and the roadway back to physical interaction? Um, is there something that comes to mind for you that you have practiced during this time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've been, you know, really sifting through all of my tools. And what I found is there's not one thing that works mm-hmm. for everyone. And yeah. that's, always, um, that's always the answer whenever we talk about regulation, because we all regulate and find presence differently. And I think what we have to do during this time, and I will offer a practice, but what we have to do during this time is continuously engage in self-observation and mm. continuously like stalk ourselves almost with our witness state. So we can ask ourselves constantly, how are you? You know, because we may feel really dead in the morning. We may feel even depressed. We may feel 
confused or isolated. And then towards the evening, you might start feeling really fearful, really anxious, really um, unable to sit still. And so our nervous system can really um, change in any given moment. And we may experience a broad spectrum of reaction to this. So what I find is so important when talking about trauma or talking about the nervous system is to kind of debunk this space of calm. Because when I first started on my yoga journey and my path, it was always simplified to me as calm is like, oh, you know, I'm really relaxed. There's a lot of mm-hmm. saliva in my mouth. I'm like, ooh, everything's nice, gooey and warm. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're always looking for with calm. What we need, of course, we need those states of deep relaxation, absolutely. But I think what most of us are needing right now is a calm and a presence that is a strong enough container to hold, to hold whatever it is we're going through. Mm-hmm. We can be calm and present and be full of rage. Yeah. But that means that our rage is very directed. That rage is purposeful. That aggression is holding an activation, you know, we can be calm and really sad and upset. So calm and presence is creating that container Mm -hmm. of whatever it is that is coming up for us. So I'll offer two options to cultivate that state of calm. The first is for those who can go outside. And if you can go outside where you are, honor that privilege by using it. Mm -hmm. And Here in Pasadena, you know, I was in Oregon and um, I'm blessed to have a lot of open space there where I can walk. But being here in in Pasadena with my partner's family, I'm constricted to a neighborhood. And um, I've really noticed with the trails being shutting down, being shut down and all of these public accesses to deeper connection with nature being cut off. has been infuriating because it's really clear to me, you know, they think food is just essential, but nature is essential. And we've forgotten this. And the fact that we are cutting off access to this is just really proof that we've forgotten how essential it is for nature. So that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) For those who can go. Yeah, sequel. For (laughs) those who can go outside, again, use that privilege. Go outside. Be with the earth. And when you do, go outside and find a tree. And I speak a lot in my trainings about plants as they're my greatest teachers. Plants are my allies that I call upon daily who continue to support me and teach me. So in this time, it's really proven to me how vital my connection to plants is. And one of the allies that I've been calling on the most is, are the trees. Mm -hmm. And trees have very deep root systems, depending on what trees we're talking about. So when we go to a tree, this tree has the ability as it is deeply rooted in the earth and strong in itself, not only to hold what it is taking from the earth, but also perhaps to support us in channeling our own energy that we want to hold for ourselves or release or digest, whatever it is that we're desiring. This tree can be a 
pillar of strength and support for us. And I have taught some really intense trainings in my life. And I always choose tree allies in the area of where I'm teaching because those are the teachers that I go to when I have a lunch break. Those are the teachers that I go to to support me in what I'm moving through. And I do so without words. So if you have a tree in your yard, if you have a tree on a path in your neighborhood that you're still allowed to walk on, if you have a tree accessible to you, go to that tree. And then I recommend taking off your shoes if you're comfortable with that so you can feel the naked flesh of your feet touching the skin of the earth. And then you're just pressing your womb, your low belly onto that tree and getting as close to the tree as you can. Forehead to the tree is also really nice. So you're just pressing your body against the tree and then you're taking 10 breaths. And as you take 10 breaths deep into the low belly, you're feeling the unwavering support of the tree against your body. And that strength and support is offering your nervous system time to ground. And what it also does anatomically when we're pressing our front body into that is actually move our breath into our back body, which is a mm. place that many people do not breathe. Most of us breathe in the front of our bodies. And when we start to move our breath into the low back, into the back of the lungs, this signifies to the nervous system, okay, Perhaps danger has passed. What would it be like now to just let myself rest in whatever it is that is arising? And so you're just taking 10 breaths with that tree. And remember before you do this to always ask the tree for permission because sometimes plants can hold us and sometimes just like other humans, they're full. They can't hold anymore. So asking the tree for permission before you do this is so important. And then mm -hmm. as you're being held there, the intention is not to, you know, let go or drop off whatever you're carrying and just be done with it. The intention is to create a container for what it is you're feeling so that you know that it is valid. We're not trying to bypass anything. We're trying to hold ourselves more deeply in our humanness so that we can know it's okay and trees can help us with that mm. so that's the first practice we have um there's right next to the the property that we're on right now which has which has a big lovely yard but very manicured and not doesn't call to me <laughs> um on the other side of the fence there's just this big vast field of beautiful grass. I posted a video on Instagram yesterday of my daughter running through this field. Um, if anyone has not seen that, you must because it will give you so much joy. She's I'm going to watch it after this. No, it's so good. You're going <laughs> to die. It's so good. Um, and in the middle of that field is just this lone tree just by itself. And the minute we got here, I mean, I've been at my in-laws many, many times and I, I'm sure I've noticed the tree before, but it's I've never noticed it the way I noticed it when we got here. I was like, oh, hi, I'm going, I'll be, I'll be, if you need me, I'll be at the tree. Hmm. It's been so, so restful and so supportive. So I really resonate with that practice that you shared. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, trees are mighty, mighty teachers. And we often forget because, 
you know, they should be everywhere. They're not depending on where we live, but we can really take yeah. them for granted. So important to come back to them. The other practice that I will share is just the practice of shaking. And shaking has been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years by many different cultures all around the world as a way to eject excess energy from our body. And there's many different traumatic or trauma-informed techniques, I'll call them, or trauma release exercises. Some of them are also called to release this excess energy in our body. And I don't like calling it trauma because that can bring us into um, some area that maybe we're not meant to go right now. I prefer to call it energy. So Mm -hmm. just whatever it is moving through, whether that's a past experience that you feel is a trauma for you, then it is, or whether that's just an emotion that is coming through right now, everything is energy. And so what shaking can do, what that can look like is just standing fully on the ground, standing with your feet on the ground for women, especially those with female bodies. We want to stand with our feet, hips width distance apart. This is so important for the width of our female pelvis, something that we're often not taught when we go to patriarchal based practices like a lot of yoga is actually made for prepubescent male shapes Mm -hmm. so it's important that we stand in this sturdy position with our feet on the ground and then I like to set a timer I do this every single morning I shake for 10 minutes and so set a timer put music on if you want um you can reach out to me. I have a playlist. I'll give I you. love your playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just shake for 10 minutes. And shaking can start from the ground up. If you're someone who connects with visuals, you can also even imagine that you're sucking earth energy up through your feet into the womb and up through the spinal cord, out through the crown, down the sides of the shoulders and out through the fingertips. So you can draw earth energy up. This can be a really supportive way of grounding yourself. Or you can just shake for the sake of shaking Mm -hmm. and shake for whatever it is that you are feeling. And previously, we thought that the mind and the body were separate. But what emerging somatic research is proving is what Eastern traditions and indigenous medicine have known for thousands of years, which is that the mind and the body, there was never a divide. They are one. Whatever it is we are feeling emotionally is being held in the physical container of our body, which means we can't think our way out of the sadness we feel you know Mm -hmm. try being sad and and looking at yourself in the mirror and saying stop being sad you're not sad anymore exactly like sadness is over work i've tried it it doesn't work (laughs) yeah we all have (laughs) (laughs) but what works is you know working with the sadness asking what what are you here for what are you teaching me? Because every emotion, every experience is here for a reason. And we can start to learn from that emotion or learn from that energetic experience by using the tool, the vessel of our body Mm. to move it through. And that's where we start to look at embodiment as a direct path to greater expansion 
enlightenment, some may say, or even connection with our own divinity. You know, we don't have to go outside of our body and meditate on a perfect utopian world where none of this has happened in order to find peace. Mm -hmm. Can we actually be so deeply in the discomfort of what is going on, so rooted and connected with the presence that is our birthright in our bodies and still know that everything is okay? And that is the path of embodiment. That is the path of walking the bothness of, of bringing everything together. And so shake for 10 minutes, you know, and if it gets too intense, you can stop. You never have to push yourself. You can open your eyes. You can sit on the earth. You can look around and orient yourself to your environment. But shake, shake and move, move your body and it's so important that we remember in times of where we want to be frozen, in times where we are really traumatized and fearful, freezing is a reaction to trauma. And that can look like a physical freezing where we're not getting off the couch, we're not going outside, we're not moving our bodies at all. Mm. And so to create a container where you're actually setting a timer and you're you know, moving that frozenness up and out of the body can be such a powerful tool. Yeah, I love that. And and one of one of my nervous system teachers um, has has talked about not specifically shaking, but but practices that kind of maybe could be seen as aggravating or accelerating to the system, specifically the nervous system, as actually this like means of like sometimes if you're in a state of 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 activation or or potentially even freeze sometimes you kind of have to like it's almost like when when in a car when the gas pedal gets stuck you have to rev the engine before you can you know like before the engine can come back down to to idle and it's it's a really similar concept where you might actually have to kind of like overactivate the system to be able to kind of break out of the you know the um the stasis that you were in to be able to then come to a more healthy baseline. So I, I love that Absolutely. as a, as a practice for that. It's really Absolutely. powerful. And we see that, you know, in Ayurveda, they talk about that opposite balances opposite when you're experiencing mm-hmm. something in your body, can you cultivate the opposite and what happens then just as an experiment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. So, so powerful. Um, well, I'm, I'm so glad that we got a chance to, to share and especially in a time like this when there's just so many things happening and the, the conversations just feel crazy and hard but so necessary. Um, I love the work that you do. I love the path that you're on. Um, and I wish that we were holding teacups and brushing knees right now. But know, we will I wanna, again. I want to like merge through the phone and I just know. give you a hug. <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I'm uh, in taking a, a class that's in, in this, you know, format, Zoom format. And at the end, everyone like, you know, does like a, an air hug. And it's, it's the cutest thing we have. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, will you share a little bit more about how people can find you and, and what you offer in the world? Absolutely. I just want to first thank you so much because yeah, I'm shut up in a little room here and seeing your face and hearing your voice is like, ah, yeah. I'm home. This is family. So I'm so yeah. grateful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, me too. Um, yeah. So 
you can connect with my work and the work of our incredible team by visiting womanwellness.com slash start. And this is where we have a free guide to um, a free beginner's guide to womb wisdom. And this is something that I wrote that you can utilize to access deeper wisdom in your body through the portal of information and creativity and sensuality that is the womb. And a lot of my work is, all of my work is fueled by making these teachings accessible. And that means that I do offer courses online. So we have a six week online womb sciences immersion and you can sign up for that at any time. And we also have a virtual monthly circle called Inner Circle where I offer content and we have community gatherings. And then we have a lot of in-person trainings, which are my like yeah, that's your thing. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. That's what she does, people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have a really in-depth training coming out in 2021, which is going to be the most in-depth training that we've ever offered. Just a really amalgamation of my life's work. So you can stay tuned for that and just keep updated by joining our mailing list. Lots of exciting things in the works over here. Okay. Well, I'll share links to to that um, start page on the show notes so that people can easily grab that. And you can also follow her on Instagram, which I'll share a link to that in the show notes as well. That's um, Woman Wellness on Instagram. And there's just lots of beautiful inspiration. You've been such a teacher and and deep wise inspiration to me. I'm so grateful that I met you a year ago in Costa Rica and that um, our paths have continued to and I believe or have continued and will continue to to overlap and intersect so thank you for sharing with us today thank you for bringing your wise heart and deep deep soul I love love everything about you so (laughs) thank you Usha thank you so much for having me absolutely Thanks for listening to Mother Birth. A special thanks to our editors, sponsors, and guests for this week's show. To learn more about working with me one-on-one or in one of my online courses or group programs, connect with me on Instagram at motherbirth.co or at my website, www.motherbirth.co, where you'll also find amazing community conversations and free resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. This show is created by Melissa Reeves, and it is intended as general information that does not constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with a primary care provider with respect to your medical care if you are pregnant, planning to become pregnant, or are in the postpartum period. In this episode, I may use affiliate links to products and services that I know and trust. These are products I have personal experience with and believe that they will benefit this community. When you use these links, Mother Birth receives a small commission. What you pay for the product or service doesn't change at all, it's the same price. If I share something that includes a discount code, I may still receive an affiliate commission without affecting the discount offered to you. Thank you for supporting the show.